Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Today's Grief and Rebirth podcast interview is an interview you will not want to miss because it is going to provide you with a great resource you will be glad you learned about. As most of you know, Grief and Rebirth provides enlightening insights and grief support via our interviews with inspiring healers, remarkable mediums, grief and trauma specialists, and truly amazing people who have their own uplifting stories to share. Today's incredible and very resourceful guest has her own truly memorable story to share with all of you. But first, here's a reminder that you can see the full show notes and all Grief and Rebirth episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our esteemed guest today is Laura Malcolm, the founder and CEO of Give in Kind, which is a marketplace that connects people to the products and services they want to give or receive during a time of need. Give in Kind was launched in September 2016, allowing users to lend a hand from anywhere. When someone has a new baby, fights cancer, or loses a loved one, extra support is needed and usually given in the form of hot meals, helping around the house, financial assistance, and of course, gifts and flowers. But giving this kind of support is challenging when you aren't sure how to help or when support circles are spread around the country. Giving Kind provides a comprehensive platform that makes it possible to lend a helping hand from anywhere. Laura, it was great meeting you in Seattle this summer through Vanessa Laughlin of Bannister Advisors, who has also been a guest on Grief and Rebirth podcast. And now it is my true pleasure to personally welcome you to the Grief and Rebirth podcast community. Let's begin our interview with this question. I know that Giving Kind is a social platform that coordinates support for everything from birth to death and in between, and that bereavement accounts for about 20% of all pages created on the Give In Kind platform. What are examples of things a person can do through the Giving Kind platform on behalf of a bereaved loved one? Well, first of all, hi, Irene. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me today. And um, so given kind, really the core of, of what it's used for is to, um, as you said, coordinate that support um, through a time of need. And and bereavement is a huge time of need. Um, as we'll talk about a little later, you know, something that I have experienced multiple times in my life and, and understand the ways that families and communities um, respond during these times. And, you know, as we know, right, we've, we've been through loss that, you know, everybody says 
How can I help? And that actually can be a really challenging question to answer. So um, what GivingKind has done is put together um, a platform where you can create a page. And, and what we usually see 90% of the time is a page being set up on behalf of someone else. And this single page will coordinate a care calendar, a wish list, and donations or crowdfunding all in one place. So uh, what, what GivingKind set out to do was to make it easier for, um, to answer that question, how can I help? So it makes it easy for, for loved ones um, to, to show up and uh, have really easy answers. Here's the care calendar. Here are the meals that need dropping off or the help with the kids, the help with the pets, the help with the house. See items that might be needed on a wish list. People connect an Amazon wish list or they connect their crowdfunding, their PayPal, and their GoFundMe. So while we also offer lots of um, uh, information, articles, and products about things that you also can send to someone that is grieving, right? Because we all have that question too, like, how should I respond? What's most helpful? Really, the core of GivenKind's uh, function is to provide that place that um, loved ones of those who are grieving can set up a place to help triage all of those questions about how people want to help. That's great. And of course, this takes a lot of technological knowledge. So how about telling us about your career in tech and your willingness to try entrepreneurship? And how was all this inspired by your dad who passed away when you were 23 years old? So sorry. Yeah, thank you. It, it, my, my uh, you know, my, my career in tech was inspired by him. And then uh, Given Kind was inspired by the loss of a child. So it was really, you know, stacking losses on top of one another um, continued to fuel that inspiration for me. So when I, um, when I was in my 20s, you know, I, I had just graduated from college and I was actually working as a career nanny. My degree's in psychology and, uh, and I was working as a nanny and I have a younger brother who is in his last year of college and he was headed out um, to be a teacher. And our father um, unex unexpectedly passed away just after his 50th birthday. And um, he had built a career. He had, he had taken and done a career change um, in the middle of his life. He spent my childhood on boats, actually, as a tugboat captain, and then made an abrupt shift into tech. And he had built this career as a, as a technical project manager. And... Um, and then, and then he, you know, he died and, and, uh, you know, everybody's shocked. My mom was left a, you know, a 46 year old widow and, um, it was completely unexpected. He, he passed away of a heart attack and, um, uh, and within a year, my brother and I both found ourselves working in tech, both sort of related to the careers that we had had, um, or, you know, they had created that pathway for us and we didn't look back. And so I had been uh, working as a product manager in technology um, for tech companies for almost 10 years when um, we experienced the unexpected loss of our first child in my eighth month of pregnancy. Oh um, and so it was the background and knowledge that I had about how to build tech products for people. And then it really was the acute experience of the way that our friends and family uh, wanted to support us and try to support us from afar that led to the making of given kind. So really, if, if my father hadn't passed away and I hadn't developed that career in tech, I would not have had the knowledge or experience that I had to be able to create given kind specifically. So it, it, I needed that time. I needed that 
I needed both of those experiences um, to happen for Given Kind to truly have become uh, what it is today. Wow. Talk about uh, making, um, what do they say, lemonade out of lemons? Yeah, absolutely. Drawing inspiration um, from that loss is, uh, I think that when you, um, when you have experienced repeated loss in the way that I have, there's nothing to do but, but have to find that inspiration. You know, you can't, it would be very easy to just be very, very sad um, all the time. And we are, uh, but we sure balance that with the hope and inspiration of what we've been able to accomplish um, because of those experiences. That's great. You just made a speech in favor of free from rebirth because that's also what we're all about, to help people find that balance and find their way out of their suffering. Um, thanks, Laura. We're going to take a, uh, we're going to take a quick break to allow a minute for our sponsors who keep this podcast free for our listeners. So we'll be right back. Back. Thanks for tuning in to my inspiring and helpful interview today with Laura Malcolm. Let's continue on with Laura with this question. Laura, how did your dad acquaint you with death so early on, which I guess we sort of got that answer a little while ago, but maybe there's more that you want to contribute. And then how did these experiences inspire your own role modeling about death regarding your young son? Yeah, and my dad actually acquainted me with death um, long before his unexpected passing. I think that people might have questioned um, why he was always taking his young daughter along when his grandparents were passing, when his mother was passing. Um, I have these memories of being, you know, eight-year-old me in the back of a car driving to and from a hospital with my great-grandfather in the front seat going to see, you know, his wife at the end of her life. And um, going, you know, with my dad as we made funeral preparations and cleaned out the house after my great grandfather passed away, and and accompanying my dad when we um, took his mother off of life support and experiencing that, um, that uh, you know, I don't think is a typical relationship that people or you know a time that people loop their kids in. And my father was the, um, you know, I think every family sort of has a spokesman, right, or the one that takes care of the things. And, you know, I think that it's amazing when you look back sometimes on the things that people do before they pass, even if it is unexpected, right? There's this question of, did we know? Did they know? Is there an intuition that we need to do things in our life? And I think that my father had an intuition that he would not always um, be able to keep the role of family spokesperson or the one, the doer of the things. And so, uh, you know, when, when I got that Paul, when I was notified that my father had passed away, I think that it was the um, familiarity with what that process is like, right? The, the work that that entails and how you notify people, um, how you make those phone calls, how you uh, prepare for a funeral, um, that I was not, I was I, utterly shocked, but not completely caught off guard, which I think that those two things can be different. Um, and so he, he did prepare me in that way. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, then obviously this, the same experience when my daughter died, I, it was completely unexpected. You don't, um, most people in their first pregnancy and, and many people, you know, 
bearing children throughout any time, unless you've been touched by pregnancy loss or baby loss or infant loss or the death of a child, like you don't, we don't really think that that happens. Um, and so again, completely surprised and yet able to um, process in a different way um, because of those experiences. And then, you know, in regards to my son, I have, I have two little boys now, um, thank goodness. And, um, you know, and again, it's been an inadvertent sharing of those experiences with grief with my son. But my father, um, his, uh, his older brother, his Irish twin, uh, the same year, um, uh, when, after my son was just a few months old, um, my uncle had a very short battle with um, stomach cancer. So about six weeks from the time that he got sick until the time that he passed away. And he requested that his family uh, be there once we decided that um, hospice was going to be the best decision. He just, he wanted his children, his wife and his niece and nephew, my brother and I to be there with him. And um, we rented a beautiful house with a view of the water. And we just spent those 10 days together as a family. Um, and I took my, uh, my three-month-old son. And, um, you know, we laughed and we cried and uh, we made memories and we told stories. And um, Diego is my son's name. And, and, you know, he was there for all of that. And, and um, I'm sure that there is, you know, I believe in sort of imprinting, right, of kids. Like, so he, he had that experience and he was just a baby. But, um, you know, I sat there, you know, we took shifts next to my uncle's side and, um, you know, nursing my new baby, you know, while I'm sitting with my uncle, sort of watching the rise and fall of a chest, like, like you do when you're sitting with someone in their last days. And, um, you know, you can't help but sort of feel and experience the circle of life in that time. And, and then... Uh, it, a year uh, a year ago, my my grandmother passed away unexpectedly, and and wouldn't you know? Um, again, right? You, believing that people can, t- can 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 sometimes time these things even when they're unexpected. So it just so happened that um, I was leaving the country for months with my family, my two small kids, and my husband, and um, and my brother was was flying in for a family wedding, and wouldn't you know, my grandmother. Um, it was going to be the first time that she had three of her great-grandchildren. I'm sorry, the second time. She was going to have three of her great-grandchildren together in one place. She's going to have two of her grandkids. And in those hours before we were getting ready to leave and my brother was flying in, she, um, she experienced a, a fatal brain bleed. Um, and my son was there with her and, um, you know, sitting there in, in her lap. And, and uh, when she experienced the symptoms that something was wrong and um, you know, he, uh, the ambulance came to the house and he climbed up into the ambulance and said goodbye to Gigi Ma, his great grandmother. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, she passed away the next day and he's just, it just, the, the bravery, right? He was just four at that time, but because he has an older sister that we talk about his sister, Layla, and she's a part of our conversation we have these conversations. He knows that there are people who love him. He knows that he has a grandpa Larry who loves him and who would have loved to be his grandfather. He knows that he has a big sister named Layla. And we talk about her all the time. Her, her birthday is a week before his. And um, so I think that those conversations are constantly happening in our family. Um, and this is the, it's both the conversation and then the real life example that I think makes 
death a normal and healthy part of our family? Because if it wasn't normal and it wasn't healthy, then it would be something that is interwoven in our story that would be a lot harder to deal with. You've taken the drama out of it. You really, um, I'm looking for a word. You've like taken the drama out and you've, and you've, and you've made it something not to be feared. You've made it yeah. part of life. I think that if we, yes, because if we, if we learn that it is something to be feared, then those experiences um, will, which, which of course bring negative feelings, right? Like I, I, I can't, I say that my daughter's birth was the most beautiful stillbirth you could imagine. Well, that's, that's kind of a hard thing for people to imagine, right? Or that my uncle's death was the best time we've had together as a family. Um, that is saying that and then, and then being sad and understanding the devastation and the impact on family is not, those two things are not mutually exclusive. No, well, you can absolutely feel both at the same. Yes. Yes. I've experienced that too. That's wow. What is that? Your story is such an example for so many people. I'm really glad we're having this interview because I think a lot of people need to hear the really healthy way that you've addressed this issue in your life and with your family. Well, so helpful. Um, Laura, please. um, Well, you've talked about the last year of your dad's life. And you've talked about how conversations about death are important and can inspire us. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that thought about death inspiring us? Or the, we know the conversations are important. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, that uh, you know, in spending so much time, you know, I'm, I've, I've uh, you know, been actively involved in the baby loss community um, since losing my daughter. And I have seen so many of the beautiful ways that different people honor those that they love. And I think what's really important is that it's, it's easy to see, you know, I created a, um, you know, a technology platform uh, in, you know, in my daughter's memory and um, we see people make foundations and um, have items that they sell and fundraisers. And I, I think that it's just really important that everybody um, everybody's way of recognizing and honoring their loved ones is different. And it's, it's very easy to feel, uh, to compare our grief, right? All the time. It's easy to compare our losses and, and, um, and then in the way that we honor those that we're missing. And I think the most important thing for me is just that however it is that we honor those people, is um is special to us and is important and that there is there's no comparison in grief and there's no comparison in response to grief um yeah okay um and i totally i so agree with that i find that in, in so many different um aspects of life where people compare themselves or compare their experiences and one size does not fit all no, it doesn't. And, and, you know, we do, I get that um, a lot. And people say, oh, well, I lost a baby, but it was so much younger. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. A, a loss is a loss. And, or, you know, gosh, I didn't do anything, you know, so big as you're doing. That, that doesn't matter either. It is our personal experience with our grief and with our loss is just that it's, it's deeply personal. And um, I think that finding those rituals that touch us in the right way are, that, that, that's what's right. Is what's right yeah, for you. Absolutely. I mean, in my particular case, my husband died 
Um, I was 50. He was 58. And as many of our listeners know, he died next to me in a car accident. Well, that was like a real shock. And that was one way to experience grief and loss. And now I have a mom who's 95, going to be 95. We just put her in assisted care. And I'm starting to get people saying things to me like, well, she lived 95 years. What's the difference? You know, she'll, she'll be fine. What do you expect? And I'm not making a drama out of it, but it's still my mom. And yeah. they don't know the history between me and my mom. And when I was closing down her home and people were talking to me about her, I realized I was beginning to grieve, you know? And it's it, it, it's the same, just like what you said, it's the same for your child as it is for my mom. It's still a loss and, and in different ways. And we process them and deal with them as best we can for who we are. Yeah, and I think you made a great point too that grief isn't grief isn't just death, right? That you're going through the grieving process in um, in moving your mom to assisted living. You know, I grieved. You know, I grieved the loss of my father, and I I grieved the loss of um, my family the way that I knew it. Right. right, like I didn't. I know. You know, my my mom moved out of the house that they've been in, and and so it's like we no longer. I no longer had a dad and a mom. And so that, that's actually a different kind of grief. And I think that the, the anticipatory grief and the grief of moving your mom and closing up her home, like that just goes to show that we, um, that we grieve so many different things and yeah. that it is all, that it is all grief and that that's really okay. It is really okay. And I love what you do because you make it so much easier for people to be able to express themselves, which brings me to your favorite metaphor for grief has to do with a boulder. What is your message about the importance of healing that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. So I tell people, especially, you know, as, as you know, I think that once you become an expert in a certain kind of loss and an expert, because you've experienced it, um, then the people come to you, right? So like, I'm sure that you um, got, you know, calls in the, you know, years after losing your husband, like I have a friend who just lost her husband and, you know, can I, what should I do? What should I tell them? Can you talk to them? And that, you know, has happened to me now throughout my life and in many situations. And um, as we know, those first, you know, those first days and weeks and months of loss, um, you know, you don't, you don't want to hear really many metaphors about how any of it gets easier because it is just hard and it's just unimaginably difficult. Um, and I, I think that it's important to convey that 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 grief and that loss, like it will never, um, it will never get go away. Um, but as you said, I, I liken it to a boulder, and the boulder is always there. The weight of that loss is always there. But I get stronger. I learn how to carry it. So you know, if you've ever carried anything from a kid to a you know heavy shopping bag, you know that you know, it's heavy and you pick it up and oh, over time you shift it from one hip, you shift it to the other. Maybe you hold it on your shoulder, maybe, you know, and so we can carry that grief in different ways and our bodies get stronger. Our muscles get stronger. Our grieving muscles get better at carrying that grief and we learn to carry it in different ways. And so, you know, there are some days where, you know, grief is a, it feels like a little pebble that I carry in my pocket and I rub when I'm sad. And there are some days that I wake up and it is still a rock sitting on top of my chest, but I have the tools now. And those tools are the ones that allow me to use my grief muscles 
and pick up that rock and carry it with me today. That's wonderful. So, but in spite of all this, you say that sometimes you still clam up when a friend experiences deep loss. I'll bet a lot of our listeners can relate to this. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I don't... I mean, I think that this is honestly is my, my greatest weakness. And, you know, the, the irony about building given kind, um, I was telling someone this the other day is that, uh, actually my husband and I are not gift givers at all in any way. Um, we don't really exchange gifts. We definitely do not for each other. We, we, um, are struggling to figure out how to do holidays with our kids and, um, you're busy coordinating. You're busy coordinating gifts for the world when they have losses. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And, but you know, um, so you know, I do struggle, and I think that it's it is you know a combination of my own um, you know weighing too much of my own experiences, um, and then the experiences that I see of people on giving kind and. And, you know, you know, as we get older, these situations with our friends and families come up so much more often. So it feels like all the time I am, have a friend who is going through um, something and, um, and I don't know why I'm, I'm not good at it. I still clam up. And sometimes I even turn to, to my own website and say, what does an article say about this? How should I respond? And I, I think that, you know, as we all know, um, one of the hardest things about grief is that. Um, everybody shows up in the beginning and then they can fade away um, as time goes on. And so there are times where if I don't know how to respond right away, because I realize that even I still go to the defaults, right? Should I send flowers? Should I send money? And I've built a business saying, wow, there are a lot of other ways to show up for people from afar. Um, but I think that the thing to tell that I tell myself is that even if I don't know how to, or I don't feel like I'm responding right, right away that a month from now or two months from now or three months from now, um, a response for me is going to mean that much more. And so even if it's just reaching out to that person um, to let them know that I'm thinking of them um, or offering help at that time, um, I think helps me uh, even when I struggle to know sometimes how to respond right away. Now, if it takes you three months or so to reach out to a person, do you experience sometimes that people get offended and they think that you don't care because you didn't do that immediate, I'm here for you or whatever that is? I always reach out right away. I think that I struggle with what to do beyond reaching out. And I think part of that comes from the, my, you know, my uh, lack of gift giving and this, uh, the, you know, um, but again, this is a problem that I'm, I think I'm trying to solve for the world and, um, and we'll only get better uh, at it myself as time goes on. Can you give us some examples of um, things people do with that in-kind page dedicated to the person who is grieving or the person who has left? What are some things that people do besides, I guess, sending food baskets or... Um, I yeah, so the, the majority of what people do is sign up in person because the core of a given kind page is a care calendar. So that's where people set up, you know, the, the sort of concept we've known for a long time as a meal train. So dropping off the dinners every day, checking on people, especially when there's, you know, a loss of a spouse or a child, 
um, you know, driving to and from appointments, helping with a, helping with the house or helping with pets. Um, so uh, the bulk of what's done on Given Kind is actually um, is actually in person on a care calendar. Um, but then people send things, and and you know, the New York Times wrote an article um, in March, I believe, titled "Gift Cards Are the New Sympathy Cards." And they talked about how money for on-demand food services, so like um, Grubhub or Uber Eats, are they called them a welcome gesture of practical kindness. Because what it basically said was that when somebody um, is grieving, and I, I deeply experienced this, right? You don't want to go, you don't want to cook, and you don't want to leave the house. And so really... What are you to do in those days? Like, especially if you don't have somebody dropping dinner off in a cooler at your doorstep every day. And so just sending someone a $25 gift card to get Uber Eats delivered to their doorstep can be a really nice way to make sure that they're eating and doing it without any burden on them. So um, gift cards for food delivery and grocery delivery are two of the top things that are sent on, on given kind. Um, Instacart, I mean, anywhere that Instacart is in the country, um, it doesn't matter what, if you're going through grief and loss or cancer treatment or a new baby, um, all of those situations, uh, people could use groceries delivered. That's great. So in other words, here I am in New Jersey and a dear friend in Oregon loses someone. I can go on that giving kind website and I can actually check off or order up what I would like to be done for that person, right? Yeah, yeah, you can order. So everything is done through through third parties on our site. But I think that, you know, if you're not doing it through a given kind page, so, you know, most people come on to set up a page for someone. And um, otherwise, we have a lot of ideas about products you can send, um, you know, articles you can read. So specifically about how to help someone after the loss of a child or after the loss of a parent or a sibling or a friend. Um, and then, yeah, really sort of unique ideas um, that go beyond flowers, right? Because we, we know that flowers and money are a really easy way to respond. Um, but we did a lot of surveys uh, before we started giving kind, asking about the kinds of support that people received and the kinds of support that they needed. And flowers and money were at the top of things that people received, and they were not at the top of the things that people needed. What they needed was help with food and help with childcare, pet care, and their house. And so, you know, you can find gift cards for everything from, like I said, grocery and food delivery to Rover to get help with pet care, um, you know, Southwest Airlines to help, you know, when you have family flying in for a funeral and, you know, it gets really expensive. Death is expensive for loved ones. And um, so there's lots of ways to help with that. And then, you know, even... The, you know, one of my favorite gifts that I received after our daughter passed away was a gifts. And so we do the, uh, the online star registry so that people can, can name a star. So, um, you know, all sorts of ideas for things to send or do when someone has, has passed away. You know what I love about it is that we're also pressured for time. So this is like a one-stop thing. You've got this thing happening. You know this website is there and you can go right there and you can take care of it instead of doing your own research for hours and hours and hours and talking to a million friends. It's like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? It's right there. And I love that. Um, you. Oh, you're welcome. Laura, please tell our listeners how they can reach you and how they can get to the social platform Giving Kind. 
Yeah, so we are at Given Kind Everywhere. So G I V E I N K I N D dot com. And on all there. That's great. And tell me what is your tip for finding joy in life? Uh, yeah, so I think that that, you know, I. I, I think everybody has their own um, belief system about how they think about those that they have lost. And I take my own spiritual beliefs in carrying those that I have lost uh, with me on my journeys everywhere that I go and um, experience that joy on their behalf. So I think that it is an no, important part. Thank you. So you experience, so you, you kind of process it where you say, oh, I'm having this joy and permitting myself to have this joy on behalf of those who have passed. Yeah, because I, I carry them with me. You know, we tell our children that their sister um, is, in, is in our heart. And, you know, that is such a, a simplified um, explanation for small children. And I think that it, I, I take it even a little bit more literally. I mean, we, we know that, um, that the right the DNA of uh, children who have been born of their mother carries on with them for the rest of their life, and so literally, I know that I am carrying my daughter around in my cells, and so what I go on to experience, you know, by carrying her with me and and you know, carrying those that I love with me um, in my heart, then I know that as I go out and experience life, that it's it's all a part of that experience. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Laura, thank you so much. I love how your platform is designed to help loved ones give support to the bereaved from far away. You're making a valuable, loving, and kind contribution to the world. Thank you for sharing both your own inspiring story and give in kind with all of us. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the full show notes and all grief and rebirth episodes on irieweinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks again for joining us. And as I love to say, to be continued. Bye for now.